Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You're listening on EWTN Radio or St. Gabriel Radio. Beyond Damascus is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Today, we're going to be talking about the fun topic of Hell! Well, crickets, crickets, crickets. <laughs> okay, guys, so there's there's a, cu- a couple billboards throughout the state of Ohio that just, in re- it's a black billboard, and in red lettering, <laughs> yeah. it says, hell, hell is, is real. real. That's right? right. Okay, and so I just want to know, how do you guys feel about it's that? It's on 71, and yeah. it's between Cincinnati and Columbus. Okay. And when the, the That Cincinnati- billboard is real. So when UC came to play Ohio State, so the University of Cincinnati came to play Ohio State in football, they called it the hell is real rivalry. No. <laughs> Because it was the the sign that's on the the one. I would say that it is true, but an ineffective way to bring people into the truth that hell is real. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. What do you think about it? Isn't there a phone number on it? There is not. Not (laughs) on this one. This is just your farm Hell is real. Yep. there's a there's a couple of those that have phone numbers attached like, to them. Yeah, one eight hundred like yeah, got truth, truth or something. Yeah, and whenever our missionaries are on mission trips, they'll call they'll them. Call on the that. Way. That's <laughs> just, good. Just see what have a conversation. Who answers at the yeah. other end? Uh, I, you know what? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of provoking conversation. <laughs> there you go. That's, so, a, that's a good perspective. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I like it for that. I I do think that it probably ultimately hurts the Christian message <laughs> in that. Most people who need conversion probably already assume that's the message that Christianity tends to say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I so think, I think it, it 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 may be ineffective in its evangelism. Yeah, I also techniques. think uh, my motivation is for heaven, not the avoidance of hell. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it again, like I, I think it it matters to have, and we're going to talk about that all today. But I think if you put up there, heaven is real. I think it also heaven wouldn't be real <laughs> if hell wasn't real, right? Yeah. But my Anyway, that would get into a lot, but I want I, my attention on heaven, not on hell. I but bet Dan loves it. No, yeah. no, I, I, I just whenever I drive past it, I'm like, Jesus, I really pray that someone drives past us and they experience conversion, they like right? Conversion. Like, like mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe someone yeah. in deep mortal sin sees it and it convicts their heart, and then sure, they, in that sure. moment, they're they're. But um, I'm excited for that day in heaven when I can actually like know the testimonies from those billboards yeah, and see like, point. hey, what. Was that effective or not? Because yeah. I really love evangelization, and I don't know if I've got the. We're perfect, having a census here in heaven, means. everybody. The billboards. <laughs> yeah. How many of you? <laughs> Who got here because of that billboard? No, I, no, it's true, Whoa, you made it you? because of that! Holy cow! Well done. Yeah. I, I lost yeah. a tire right by that sign. I had to look at it for two hours. No. So I, I'm a, okay. Which one of you paid for that billboard? <laughs> you know, it was you your know, farm you. field. Yeah. yeah. You know. So I do have a confession. I'm the one who funds that billboard. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Personally. So, <laughs> but um, why don't we start with just the conversation, Brad? You were talking about it a little bit before we started. Like, um, w- w- why does hell matter in the context of our relationship with God? So, like, God created us in the beginning, right? And like, if if God was really loving, why mm-hmm. wouldn't God just make sure everyone went to heaven and there was no hell? Like, why why is why does hell matter in the, if you will, the scheme of salvation? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think I was saying that a little bit with the hell is real sign that yeah. uh, heaven can only be what heaven promises to be if hell is real, right? Because heaven is actually the fullness and the culmination of love. And love requires a choice. It requires a free choice, right? That's the reason that even when we look at the Genesis, right? In the Genesis account, why did they put a big tree in the garden that they couldn't touch? Well, they could touch it. Eve exaggerated and said they couldn't touch it, but they just couldn't eat from it, right? Like, 
Well, the reason is love and sacrifice can never be separated because sacrifice comes from a choice, right? Like I have to make, if I'm going to be in perfect love with the Lord, I need to make a choice. Yeah. He's not going to force me into eternal love of him. He's going to, he's going to offer me a choice. And so I, what I would say is if heaven is the fullness of love and love requires a choice, mm-hmm. then there has to be a place that if I choose against that, I would go, right? Or else heaven would simply be a place where everybody's been forced to be, and it's then it slavery. would cease to be heaven. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love the catechism's definition of hell is self-exclusion from the blessed That's trinity. So and it's, good. there's something about, like, that, that I have chosen, like, there has to be that choice mm-hmm. of free will that I'm, I don't want the love of the mm-hmm. Father, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, or I want the love of the Father. father. <laughs> and even, even in Scripture, I mean, there's many times in Scripture where hell is mentioned, but that that suggestion is supported in when Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, right? That's good. That there's a, there's an opportunity for relationship mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that we have the choice to accept <laughs> or decline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think fundamentally um, the, the idea of that choice is meant for free will and mm-hmm. free will is necessary for the fullness of love. Yeah. And, yeah. and in a sense, this idea of, choosing throughout our life that, uh, just like marriage, it's a free will once, once decision on the day mm-hmm. of your marriage, mm-hmm. but it's a daily decision from that point as yeah. well. And so it's not this once saved, always saved type mentality, but no, right. the, that freedom to love, I have my entire life to enter into that covenantal relationship. Yeah. And I've got the freedom, sadly, to to walk away from that covenantal mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah. What do we do with the fact that it seems a little dramatic, right? Like, okay, yeah. like, I mean, I love my son, right? And I want to give my mm-hmm. son and my mm-hmm. daughters the freedom to to love me and to choose love. But if they choose not to love me, I don't want that I don't want to condemn them to like eternity of suffering and pain, mm-hmm. right? Like, doesn't that seem a little dramatic? Like, okay, you either have the freedom of love and intimacy with the Father and, yeah. con- like, eternal consolation or eternal damnation and separation from the Father where there mm-hmm. will be welling and grinding of teeth. Yes. Like, that seems, like, extreme. Well, I think there needs to be a little bit of a lens shift, right? That, that hell, hell is not as much a place as it is an absence of something, right? So if we look at just evil in general, it's the privation of a good, yep. okay? So hell is the privation of presence, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's actually not— it's not me casting you off to be away from me forever. It's you effectively not coming into me, right? So and that, that gets like overly theological, but heaven's not like a place as much as it's contained within God. It, it's the common, like Benedict said this perfectly, right? That God is not some big being off in heaven, but the heavens are contained within God. And if the heavens are contained within God, then where's hell? It's absent him. Yeah. That that's it's yeah. it's absent him. And so like I think what we have to look at is the loving father. I wouldn't be so sure that he's incredibly elated at a hellacious existence. It's not like something he's like, you know what? This would be really good. It's just that he's always beckoning us to himself. Yeah. And it at, at like at the critical juncture, right? Like whenever the Lord and the Lord knows in ways we don't, we make a decision that, you know what? Like it is not with you that I want to be. Yeah. Like a father could still have a heart for that person as they choose to absent themselves from them. Right. So I just think sometimes we're like, yeah, I just, I just think sometimes we see a push and a pull. Yeah. And it's actually all pull with yeah. resistance. Right. Yeah. It's it's not anyway. I yeah. just think that, that I that's, a good, that's a good imagery. Dan that uh you know, obviously the way you stated that was was pretty radical. <laughs> I'm trying to be provocative. <laughs> yeah, 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 I like it. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um 
I, I think that the the reason the way that I understand this is that you have to you have to find yourself in that place or else you end up in a spot of believing that I can have happiness apart from God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So it, it actually, it, hmm. the existence of hell is an affirmation of the character of God that that truly, apart from him, I can't find happiness. There's, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's no like baseline mm-hmm. comfort mm-hmm. that exists in me mm-hmm. that I'm inviting him into to make me better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but to the degree that I'm happy or to the degree that I'm fulfilled or to the degree that I'm secure that it's only insofar as I'm in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I think that's just a, a good starting point. And actually I think it's uh it's a lot of people who kind of gear themselves towards saying hell isn't real or that nobody has a chance of going to hell. It, it, there's this element of I think they do it out of a place of love and mercy often where they 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 want people to experience love and they don't want people to experience uh, eternal death. Yeah. And, and that's so a, like, it's a good orientation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. It, <laughs> and so, but we, it can lead us astray. Right. Yes. And so one of the contexts I think would be really fun to talk to today about is why does hell matter? And I think it um, specifically, why does it matter uh in our proclamation of the faith, right? Mm-hmm. That we can't act like hell doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, yeah. And and the context that I would have for that is the the church, if you will, has has wrestled with how do we present the existence of hell for quite some time. Like er, mm-hmm. in the early church, Origen um, had the the this doctrine of universalism that mm-hmm. um, because of the love of God, because of the love of the Father, mm-hmm. no loving Father would allow any of His children or His creations to go to hell. So hell mm-hmm. exists, but all people go to heaven, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. uh, and that at the Council of Constanti- Constantinople, uh, say that ten times. Yeah, fast. Council yeah, of Constantinople. Constantinople. Um, it was declared a heresy, right? And so right. the church has actually said well, 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 universalism, <laughs> the the definitive statement that um, no one goes to hell, right. is is a heresy, right? Which sounds like wow, that that's harsh, right? Yeah. But so, what do you think we should do about that? How do we have a conversation about like why does talking about the existence of hell matter? Well, I think it's an I think it's another I think I I obviously get into words, but I think it's another word we have to take back cuz I think the heart of that universalist principle is a heart of misoriented, misguided, wrongly oriented, whatever that word is, like it comes from a place of misunderstanding compassion. Yeah. Because compassion is actually suffering with, right? Compassio, it's to suffer with. And and compassion that requires nothing of me is yeah. not true compassion. So it, it's in, in our world, we see this all the time. Like my heart breaks for this. And so I'm going to make a post about it or I'm going to tell other people what they should be doing about it <laughs> instead of going to do something about <laughs> yeah, it, right? Yeah. Like that is, yeah. a, that is actually not real compassion. And yeah. so I, I guess what I'm saying wait, wait, is- you're saying social media posts are not- I know, I know, it, I stirred they, some they things up. Not enough. No, it's good. They're permission. <laughs> they can be good. <laughs> okay. okay. So I want everybody to hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not. Like, like you should do that. Like you should evangelize through those media platforms. But if you are doing that and then calling that the compassion that you're having, you're actually not understanding what compassion actually is. Like yep. when I have a compassion for a circumstance, I need to enter into it with someone. And actually without without like suffering or without hell, right? Like all of these things that we have uh 
I would say heresies that come off of, without those things, I actually never understand that incarnational reality of Jesus where I look into someone's situation, their awareness from God, their whatever, yeah. and go in and, and suffer with them there so that we can get out of that suffering together, right? Jesus's passion, compasio, his passio, his suffering was yeah. not for suffering's end. It was that I could enter into the suffering and elevate you out of it, right? Yeah. So then we have to do that same thing. And again, I, we'll get into that, but it if we misunderstand this and fall into a universalist principle, it takes away our heart for mission, and it makes mission just, well, let's all just be nice to one another. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 would, I would reaffirm that maybe in a different way. I think yeah. for me, the existence of hell it calls me out of a place where evangelization is about a mission of generosity into a mission of justice, hmm. right? Hmm. That that like the choice to be on mission isn't just a kindness that I exercise when I'm feeling full. It's the orientation of my heart and the orientation of my life. That's a good word. You know, <laughs> one of my favorite one of my favorite verses in is in Mark's Gospel, chapter sixteen. Um, in verse 15, it's Mark's version of the Great Commission. Jesus says, go out into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Mm-hmm. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Yay. Mm-hmm. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Yeah, and that's right from Jesus's mouth. And it's like, okay, well, if those are my options <laughs> and 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 this is dependent on my commissioning mm-hmm. to go out into the world and preach the gospel to all of creation, like this is too important to base this on my level of comfort. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this isn't a, hey, when you're feeling full and you, and you want someone else to be happy, yeah, yeah, go and share the message. Yeah, a mission can't be an accessory that I add on to my life. It, it becomes part of my existence because the stakes are so high. Mm-hmm. It's a, and I think that's where this idea of justice, Aaron, it's a great word to use because it's giving someone what they are due. So a person actually is due the gospel, the good news. Like they need, they, mm-hmm. they need to hear this message. Mm-hmm. That's why mm-hmm. Paul can say, woe to me if I don't preach the good news. Yeah. It's Amen. like like, uh, um, con- like condemnation upon me. Woe to me right. Right. if I don't preach the good news that I am actually mm-hmm. held mm-hmm. before the judgment seat of God, whether mm-hmm. or not I brought the good news to a person, not because it's an accessory, but because it, it's the, the missionary mandate is, yeah. is a, a matter of divine justice. Yeah. This person before me is due the good news of the gospel. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com slash radio slash podcasts, or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. By providing quality programming faithful to the teachings of the Catholic Church, EWTN is television that viewers can trust. Whether it's films, documentaries, news coverage, lively discussion shows, or kids' programs, we highlight the truth that is the eternal word. For a complete schedule of EWTN television programs, visit EWTN.com and click TV. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. This is Michael Drollman, Communications Director for Core Christi Broadcasting in Central Washington State. We rely on Catholic Radio to send the gospel message to listeners in our area. We know people who have come into the church after listening to the excellent apologetics programming we provide. Catholic Radio, a great tool for evangelization. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever.
Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. So I think, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I've never been declared a heretic in the church. I think, uh, or <laughs> me, just, I, not, I, not that you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I bet not yet. I got time, right? But I think Origin probably his intentions were, were good, good, right? Of course. And there's there is a the postmodernism uh, of today, and I would even say postmodern Christianity today has good intentions, but yeah. they're actually leading people astray. That there is a postmodern thought it prevailing in Christianity that as quote as long as I'm a good person, I'm mm-hmm. going to go to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. And that is not in, that that is incongruent with the gospel narrative, right? That mm-hmm. that Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me." Right? That mm-hmm. that he he says, "Those who believe shall be saved; those who don't believe shall be condemned." So that seems why, really mean. Why man. does it, I am such a mean person, right? And Jesus, like, okay, let's let's uh, like Jesus was mean, right? Like that that this is what he says. I I wonder like. Should we make sure, and I'm not suggesting that all of our preaching should be about hell, right? Because uh, I actually did a, a Google search. I, yeah. I, I I sought the wisdom of the Oracle Google. Um, <laughs> the Google machine. And, and I, I, I just was, I, I wanted to see like how often does Jesus speak of hell versus how often does Jesus speak of heaven? And praise the Lord, Jesus speaks of heaven more than he speaks of hell. Yep. So if I'm doing ministry that speaks of hell more than I speak of heaven, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not doing Jesus's style of ministry, right? Yeah. But Jesus spoke of hell that uh um at, at least over 70 times in the gospels and mm-hmm. so so there was definitely this and it just some of the like and i just think if the son of god if the son of god thought it was important to preach the existence of hell mm-hmm. and to tell people to be concerned about it it's probably important that that we do it as well right because he's god and if, if, <laughs> yeah. if hell if hell yeah, wasn't right, a right. real threat if everyone right, was right. basically going to heaven if hell wasn't a real threat jesus wouldn't have so if if his goal was only to talk about the goodness of heaven or only to, mm-hmm. like he's god like he mm-hmm. he has a divine mm-hmm. foresight that i don't have he knows that i'm not able to condemn anyone to hell and i i know i can't judge people in that way, right? Yeah. Like there's, but but he does. He mm-hmm. actually does have that insight, and so it should say a lot that the Son of God, who is the one making the final judgment, mm-hmm. thought it important enough to preach on this topic. Well, yeah. Right? Well, I I think what I, what's coming to mind in that is every pursuit of a virtue is an avoidance of a sin. Yeah. Right. So like, uh, of course, like. I would want to talk about mm. the virtue more than I talk about the sin, but you need to understand what happens if you don't pursue the virtue exactly. or else there's no motivation to pursue the virtue when things are hard in the virtue, right? Yeah. Like I'm pursuing chastity. Well, it's starting to get hard and I'm being tempted. What, what keeps me from just saying, you know what, why pursue it anyway, is this understanding that the other side of the coin is absolutely not in alignment with where I want to be. That's a great example. Yeah. Cause right? they're like, we're going to preach the goodness of love and authentic Christian love. Right. But then we're also going to say, but if you, and if you fail to live this all, there's consequences. Yes, and like, I would agree. And those consequences, like statistically are not good. Yes. You end up in divorce. You end up like, uh, uh, like with, with different, like with children outside of marriage, yeah, with well, sexual transmitted diseases. Like yes. there's actual consequences to the, the lifestyle decisions we make. Yep, right. That's exactly and right. if that pertains to the theology of the body, it definitely pertains yep. to the theology of the soul. Exactly. <laughs> and that's all I want to say is that the God made us, he made us human. Mm-hmm. And in our human existence, you know, this, when you are trying to achieve a good, you are avoiding a bad. 
Yeah. You just are. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that the bad is the motivating force. The motivating force is the pursuit of the good. Mm. But when it gets hard, me recognizing what happens if I just give up is helpful. Yeah. Because then I don't give up. Which then allows me to. Well, I, and this is I why universalism is such a huge heresy, and and not only a huge, it's it's a scandal and a grave sin if I participate in it because I allow people not to know the consequence. And so if I per, per like prolong this false gospel narrative that everyone goes to heaven as long as they're basically good, and I give no like I I, I communicate no authentic threat of a consequence of sin and life outside of Jesus. I I am the one who through my preaching am allowing a person to to go down the wide path that leads to destruction mm-hmm. without understanding the consequences that could come from that, you know? And mm-hmm. like like shame on me if I'm a parent that allows my kid to enter into all kinds of acts of in chastity without giving them the warning signs of what happens if they do that, right? Mm-hmm. And so as as a good parent, I tell my child, don't stick your finger in the electrical socket because bad things could happen if you do that, right? Mm-hmm. Likewise, yes. we, we as a church need to say, don't do these things yeah. because bad consequences follow. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, Go for it. What do yeah, you got? I mean, I think uh, as I'm kind of just hearing both of you preach and what's happening in me my heart is really being motivated by love, right? That, yeah. that, that, you know, as we preach this message, I need to remember, why do, why do I do this? Because I love my children, right? Right. right. Because, because I, I, I want to, I want to help them. Like, you know, Monica and I've had great experiences over the last couple of days of, mm-hmm. of seeing new things that are being, that are presenting themselves in, in our kids and, and pushing to fight against those. Uh, uh, just, just last night I had a beautiful encounter with my son Diggory and it's like, man, sometimes, sometimes you have to, you have to push in and communicate a hard message because I actually believe it's what's going to be best for yeah. you. Yeah. And you love them. Because I, I care for you enough to like, to risk that. Yeah. Man. I love that, Aaron. Cause it's, <clears throat> it, what is, it's, it's an act of love not to prolong this postmodern heresy, if you will, like that my heart is motivated or should the church's heart yeah. should be motivated to, to communicate the fullness of truth of the gospel so that people know, yeah. right? It's, it's And love does propel us to share hard truth. Yeah, this is inspiring me to think of a, a, a quote from St. Paul, right? Who says that when I was a child, I thought like a child and reasoned like a child. And I think sometimes we, we immediately attribute him to, to belittling himself in those moments. But I don't think he was. He was simply saying there's a different way of thinking about things when I'm young mm-hmm. versus when I'm mature. And I do actually think now that you guys are saying this, that there is something about letting someone young in the faith know the consequences of being without it. So for example, mm-hmm. I love the outlet. That's what got me thinking about it. And then you were adding there, Aaron, like if if a kid's about to put their finger in the outlet, I cannot communicate to them adequately how important their health is. But I can tell them, don't put your finger in that outlet because bad things will happen. Now, eventually over time, I can communicate to them, the reason that you weren't putting your finger in that outlet is because we wanted you to be healthy (laughs) and and, and being healthy is good. (laughs) But like, I I do think that we lose this sometimes because in the name of drawing people to the church, we actually, I actually think we need to like reverse it. Like I should talk about consequences earlier so that again, hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not, but I'm trying to put this in the context of Paul saying, there was a time where I reasoned in one way and now I reason in a different way. I think about this in identity. So again, I'll pull it back and I won't go too far into this, but like on identity, right? Like when someone comes in like a missionary and they're thinking, I am insufficient, like, 
the, the lie they identify is I am insufficient. Yep. We teach them to combat that lie with I am sufficient. The truth though is that you are insufficient, but it's okay. <laughs> so there is actually wisdom in initially telling someone in their identity stages that mm. I think I'm I think that I am inadequate. Yeah. Nope, you're adequate. Yeah. The truth is you're inadequate, but God's adequacy transcends that. Mm -hmm. But that's hard to teach right away. Yeah. Like I need you to get in this thing and then walk you to this and thing. And once they I know their worth, that, then they can deal with exactly. the Exactly. So again, just to pull that back into the hell thing, I think not immediately telling someone, you should follow me or you're gonna burn in hell. It's like it's more like the the consequences of a life without God are loneliness. Yep. Strife and turmoil with no with no thing that transcends it. But there's again yeah. not said exactly like that. But it's anyway. And that there are actual if, consequences away uh, in a life away from God, and that you see yeah. those consequences in people's lives here, right? Mm -hmm. That um, but those if if I can see the consequences of loneliness and brokenness and and misery and people who have chosen to separate themselves from God here on Earth, um, uh, I can. I can imagine what that would be yeah, like. Yeah, and if for we can eternity. see that on earth, how is hell not real? Yeah. I mean that that is that is what it that exactly. is hell. Yeah. Right? So yeah. so let me let me ask this. Um why do you think there's a natural inclination to see communication of of hell and consequence as unkind? As mean, I think it's well. Okay, where does it, where does it, where does it stem things. from? I think it's been done poorly, yeah. and so there's there's connotations mm -hmm. of like, oh shoot, I don't want to be like that guy, right? And so like, I'm not going to do it. Um, and, and I think that we live in a soft culture that's just not like that. Everyone's offended all the time, right? I remember. I don't know if you have this same vivid memory, Aaron, but like when we were young in ministry, uh, they some of our mentors brought us into like they were that I, I use the word mentor they were they were teachers as we were growing up in the mm -hmm. faith and they brought us in a room together and I thought they were going to bring us together. Like Aaron and I were doing ministry. It was really successful ministry. It was leading a lot of young people into a relationship with Jesus. It was growing. I thought they were going to be like, hey, you guys are doing awesome. How can we support you? And instead, they had this list of things that they had against our ministry. And um, one of the, the things that they were opposed to in our ministry was, you guys talk about the existence of hell and it scares people. It's scaring children, and you shouldn't let children know that hell is real. And I, I don't know if you remember the me. That's when I, I lost it, right? I, I was listening. I remember to you losing it. I lost it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I don't. I don't remember like. And you wouldn't. wouldn't like, I don't know if it's pro the prophetic nature in me or if it is uh, a lack of virtue. Um, but like a little, like, both. Uh, yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. The the the. But like I was like absolutely not. Like I would rather go to hell than not share the gospel with others and tell them like woe to me if I don't preach the gospel and the the gospel that is part of the gospel and yes yeah. uh, that was the end of the conversation that was the end of the conversation <laughs> I, I i literally yeah no, we got, I, I got up and left there i wasn't uh, going to listen to them anymore. I, I get it well, <laughs> because when you tell me when you tell the church not to preach hell you're you're literally asking them not to preach the gospel so what, you, what yeah. you can say is don't scare people well, so yeah, I think sure. This that's and so that was my reason for asking the question because I mean, we're soft a little bit. <laughs> well, and I no. don't know if I'm a scary person. I mean, if, if <laughs> you you definitely are a scary person, Dan. But <laughs> if, mean, like if if my parenting scares my children, yeah, for sure. then I'm not a good dad. Yeah. yeah, correct. So we need to learn as a church to communicate this message in a way that yes. doesn't immediately offend. 
So offense is is the response, you know, offense is the responsibility of the offended person. Correct. Correct. Um, we need to exist in a place where I'm not easily offended. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I have a responsibility as a dad to make sure that I'm that I'm prioritizing relationship with my kids and not communicating discipline in a way that frightens them. Because you want them to receive the the word you're sharing. Of course. So, yeah. right. and I would- uh, So I there's would, a balance I here. would suggest, though, that we were not actually scaring no, no, people. No, no, yeah. sure. <laughs> no, that's what I was just going to say. No, like, Dan, no, Dan was not- No, yes. no the represent- I, <laughs> Honestly, I don't even remember where this came from. I don't from. even remember where it came from, too. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? It's like, how are a bunch of teenage boys scared? No, I, like, think, no, I think what you're representing yeah. matters. I, I do. I think that usually when you find something, though, there's fault on both sides. So, um, I, like, I think that there is an- inability to receive hard words in today's culture more than there has been before. I also think there is a poor ability to communicate the hard things of truth in an effective way now that there wasn't before because of animosity on both sides for the other. And so what I want to say here is I think that the church classic in her perfection has the solution, right? Like when I, when I talk, uh, like whenever I feel like the Lord in a message wants me to preach the reality of hell, I preach it from a standpoint of like what the church fathers would have talked about, which is on the other side of eternity, there is one fire and it's the mm-hmm. all consuming fire of God's love. And it, it, it pervades everything. It has to touch everything, but the disposition we have to the fire determines how we exist forever. So it's not God in throwing fire at me like a Greek God in, in destruction. It's he in and of himself is an all consuming fire again, because we have to use human imagination because we don't to talk about God, it's like, what do you say? Like, he's an all-consuming fire. So on the other side of eternity, that fire with one kind of disposition purges me, therefore purgatory, it perfects me because without those things being burnt off, I would be hiding my face from God for all eternity. Well, that doesn't make sense, right? Like, look at every person who encounters an angel in scripture besides Mary, ironically. What do they do? They hide their face from the angel because there's imperfection there. Mary... (laughs) Mary beckons the angel. Like you can even see it in some depictions. It's beautiful. Why? Because Mary being sinless. Like we we can see these things. All I'm saying here is on the other side of eternity, if we would preach that there's one fire, the all-consuming love of God, and the disposition of my heart to that fire is what determines how I experience it. If if I was in perfect relationship with it, it's consuming me in love forever. If I have some things that still need burn off, it's purging me for a while until I can be fully consumed by it. If I am outright objecting to it, it will burn. Yeah. Because like you think about this, like it I would presume that a fire that has a log in it, the log wouldn't really know it's being burned cuz it's consumed. But if you get real close to a fire, not enough for it to touch you, but you just stay there, it's going to send you. Yeah. It's going to send you. Amen. 100% it will. And so again, I think using that analogy that the church fathers used that our beautiful church has used forever, it gives an understanding that God's not imposing this fire that you guys don't live in. No, no. He and of himself, his being, well, being itself, right? Like I even get confused when you go into the things of God, but all I'm saying is like, if we can give that heart, yeah, then it's invitational, not accusational. And how many times has the father ever spoke to you accusational? He's an invitational God from the new covenant, it, from the point of Jesus forward, the accusational word of the father, it's not there. It's an invitational word of the father every time. Accusation of the father came when we were accused. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
that I'll <laughs> semicolon. <laughs> uh, a, a, a beautiful, beautiful uh, explanation, Brad. I do think that the when we preach, we need to give a lot of thought and diligence mm-hmm. on how do we communicate the gospel, the fullness of the gospel, in a in a loving way that is invitational and not accusational. And I, uh, and uh, but I, I do think there's also value in in the renewal of the mind of looking at how did Jesus do it, and because uh, I, I don't want to say because we're preaching in a different culture that we shouldn't also model Jesus. And yeah. and Jesus is pretty black and white at, at moments. Like I, I, the, he tells the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, and he, he just basically says like Lazarus, uh, the poor man who begged for food, didn't receive food from the rich man. Because of that, the rich man went to hell. And, and then he has the account that the rich man crying out, like, please let, like, let me go back and tell my five other siblings because, uh, they'll listen to me if I come back from the dead. And he's like, no, they had Moses and the prophets. And if, if they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not going to listen to you. If you rise from the dead, we like the, the, the people of God today, they, They've had Moses and the prophets. They've had Jesus Christ himself who has proclaimed a message. And and so often their lifestyle is in rejection to these biblical truths. And so it's like almost like uh, there there is this reality of like like your sinfulness is is placing your eternal soul at, at risk and, and and Jesus was pretty blunt about it. I, I even think just the yeah. Matthew 25 like where he separates the sheep and the goats and and he says like it's if you read Matthew 25 it's the the sheep they didn't even know what they're doing they're like why are we on the like why are we on the good side like yeah. when did we see you naked and when did we see you hungry and thirsty and give you a drink it was, and he said whatever you did for the least of my people you did for me yep. they were almost just as ignorant of their charity of doing it for Christ as the the goats um yep. who said well when did we yeah. see you and he's like when, when you ignored the least of my people you ignored me and yep. Yep. it's what we do for others mm-hmm. and how we love others Dare, dare we say how well encounter leads to mission yep. directly impacts the way my soul will be judged. And so if I've had an encounter with Jesus, that encounter with Jesus isn't enough, according to Matthew 25, mm-hmm. that that encounter mm-hmm. with Jesus has to overflow into mission lest I, because I, I, if I don't give drink to the thirsty and feed the hungry, that is the grounds for salvation in Matthew 25 that yep. Jesus reveals. Yep. I'm That's thinking, so good. I, I'm thinking the, what, what's the response? Why, why is hell important? I think the reason hell is so important in the context of today's uh, culture, it, going back to what you s- shared early on, Aaron, is that um, it strips us of our missionary mandate. If, if we don't truly believe in the, yeah. the consequences of it hell. It boils so, it down to a, to a place of comfort or equipping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, clearly, like, our desire is that no one would go to hell. Our prayer is that no one would go to hell. But if that prayer becomes a, a belief... A doctrine. Th- uh, yeah, a doctrine, then what happens is there's no reason for me to share the gospel with the Muslim that I, I work with, right? Mm-hmm. There's no urgency to share the gospel with the the atheist that has rejected God. There's mm-hmm. no There's no, like... What motivates the North American martyrs to leave the safety and the comfort of France to come and to share the gospel with the native, like mm. in, like the native tribes who were savages and and suffer martyrdom? Mm-hmm. What motivates the, the us to take the gospel to the nation 
if hell isn't real, yeah. you know, like, uh, so the consequence is, is the motivation by which the missionary mandate stems from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. really good. I, I, I just keep looking back to, I wonder, um, there's so many times in like daily Alexia, daily Lexio Divina that I, I, I try to put myself in the place of the story. And oftentimes when I'm, when I'm reflecting, I will, I'll, I'll put myself in a place of like, let me look on the face of Jesus as he preaches this message or as he, mm-hmm. as he performs this miracle. And, um, as, as you were speaking, Dan, and, and just reflecting on scripture of, of the times that Jesus did speak with just incredible boldness, um, and didn't mince words. I mean, hypocrite, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. whitewashed, whitewashed graves, mm-hmm. um, you know, elsewhere, uh, and John the Baptist, the same, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, what what was in his eyes? What was on his face? Um, and, and how can I model that? Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com slash radio slash podcasts. Or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. He was a 10th century saint, priest, mystic, and doctor of the church, honored as the first poet of Armenia. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. Gregory of Narek is revered by Armenians as a watchful angel in human form. His masterwork, The Book of Lamentations, was intended to be his last testament, an encyclopedia of prayer for all nations. He was named a doctor of the church in 2015. For more about the doctors of the church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. How are you listening to EWTN Radio right now? Have you ever wished you could listen on a local radio station? Maybe our Lord is speaking to your heart to help make that happen. Don't let a lack of experience hold you back. Find out how you can help start a Catholic radio station where you live. Powered by the truth of the church and EWTN's dynamic radio programming. Email Steve at this address, radio at EWTN.com. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. It breaks my heart that I see a tendency in the church to create a theology that requires no responsibility from me. Like, it's like um, I... I just, I'm going to create a reality of God that doesn't require me to step out of my insecurities because I'm wounded. And when I go outside of my insecurities, I don't feel comfortable and I don't feel strong and I don't feel stable. So I'm going to create a theology that requires me not to be on mission because if I had to be on mission, I'd have to step out of these things that are holding me back. And that's scary. And I think my heart just breaks that we're in a time where we're creating theologies that that avoid responsibility. Yeah. And I think that, that that is probably a reason that uh, we have set hell aside. Because if we bring it back into the picture, you better believe we have a responsibility. And that's a hard responsibility to steward. Yeah. But man, if the church loses the the ground to talk about hell, the world is going to laugh every time we bring it up. But it's actually real. Yeah. And that's not a good response. Like I need to be able to bring it in a very like, 
I don't even want to say educated, but a very like authentic and honest way. Yeah. Cause like, why does hell matter? I think that's what you asked. Or why is it important? Because it's honest. Yeah. Because it's honest. Yeah. Like, like honest, <laughs> honesty has to matter. And it's urgent. Yeah. This is not like we've got a hundred, like every person dies. And like when we talk, when we talk about church decline in America, it's so funny. Cause so often I feel like the talk about church decline is we want more people to come to church for our own self-validation, not mm-hmm. because we're afraid that people are going to go to hell, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's this like like we 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 mm. we're, we feel validated when the pews are full, like oh wow, like we won them back, right? And now like I feel good about myself because I'm on, we I'm won on the them. winning side yeah, again. Like, yeah, like we're not losing. <laughs> like no, like the urgency is that. It, the uh, church decline is is that's that's not the big problem. Like it, yeah. the the it's it's the souls are at eternal risk of damnation. And the like if we could explain this more to the people in the pews that you have a missionary mandate, less people will go to hell. Then maybe evangelization wouldn't be a program, but it would be truly yeah. this I- I- impulse of the spirit that compels me to love people better. Me. Dan, yeah. let, me, let me toss out so. This is uh, this is a, just a prophetic reading of of the of Mark sixteen, but I think in addition, like when when we when we place that when we when we place our hope in that in that lack of responsibility, Brad, mm-hmm. it actually is a self fulfilling word, right? That that we actually set ourselves up to fail at the very thing that we want to succeed in, mm-hmm. and and Mark sixteen fifteen mm-hmm. goes into this, you know. I shared earlier, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And in the following verses, 17, 18, 19, this is like one of the foundation points for the understanding of the charismatic gifts, mm-hmm. that these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you, you, wanna, you wanna enter into a ministry of, um, of deliverance? What stands at the foundation? An understanding that salvation and con- condemnation are the result, Yep. right? You you want to speak in new tongues? Okay, what stands at the foundation? An acceptance of the fact that 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 salvation or condemnation are a fruit, right? You'll pick up snakes with their hands. They'll drink deadly poison and won't hurt them. They'll place their hands on the sick and they'll go well. That like our, our ability to actually be equipped for the work of mission, it, it sort of stands on this presupposition. Yeah. And, and and when I deny that responsibility, I also deny the gifts that come with the ability to succeed in it. And That's it, so good. Yeah. You, you know why? Because when I hunger for people to experience heaven, I'm willing to experience do heaven. And I'm on willing earth. to do anything. I'm willing to do yeah. anything to put myself out on the line to say, God, I can't do this apart from you. But it's this, yeah, and that's what Jesus's ministry was. It was the kingdom of God is at hand. The yeah. heaven, like we have access to heaven, and so now I'm going to allow heaven to come down to earth. That's and awesome. When our heart is motivated that I want to save souls from the torment of hell and deliver them into the the kingdom of God, then the kingdom of God actually is at hand, yeah. at my hand, and is used mm-hmm. through me. It's within all three signs of the kingdom. Because if I preach heaven is real, mm-hmm. then heaven will be manifested before me. Well, I was, I was just thinking so to myself, here. like, who knows that hell is real any more than the heavenly beings? <laughs> like their heart has to break at that. Like, I, I just, I don't, I like when you read those things, Aaron, who doesn't want to do that? Yeah. If there are demons in the world, who doesn't want to drive them out? Like if, if there is 
like sickness that is de- mm. just decimating people. Yeah. Who doesn't want to wipe that out? Like who doesn't want to take the poisons of the world and stand in spite of them? Yeah. Like like <laughs> everyone that loves the Lord wants that. So the question has to be what holds us back from taking that place, which I honestly think, and we talk about this all the time, but it comes down to that identity point, which can only be given by the father. That when I know my identity as a beloved son, my heart breaks for hell more than my heart condemns people to it. I, I begin seeing hell because I'm from the vantage point of heaven. Heaven knows hell better than anyone else. And when I'm living in a heavenly reality and I look at the world and I see a hellacious corner, I'm like, we have to decimate that Yeah, because it can't exist. Because if it does exist here, like it's where they'll be forever. So let's, let's decimate it here. So it doesn't have to be an eternal reality. I think that the, the avoidance of conversation on hell, I think can sometimes be our own psychological avoidance of it for the sake of staying again in the comfort place where we're not responsible for something that seems so big. Yeah, that's so good. I wonder, and I'm not, I'm not speaking doctrine here. I'm, I'm asking questions. How do we know that we're not the rich man in the story of Lazarus when in effect as an American, uh, I live wealthier than any other person in the world. Right? So I am the rich man. I am. And, and what I do with what I have received, my time, my talent, my treasure, what I do has real consequences on my eternal salvation as well. And if, if we have this, um, if Christianity is, is making sure that I live a good, peaceful, comforting life here on earth, if peace in consolation is my end goal in this world, I think I've actually missed the mark. Like if I'm fat and well fed and I, I it, both materially and spiritually, yep. and yet I don't give back my, like I am the rich man. So if, if listener, if me, if us, if, if spiritually we are fat and well fed, if the Lord has poured out grace upon us so that we have received knowledge of the truth and we have knowledge of the Eucharist and we have knowledge of the mercy of confession and we have knowledge of virtue and we have knowledge of the blessed Trinity and we have knowledge of heaven. If we have all of this spiritual richness and yet I allow Lazarus to go hungry at my doorstep and I don't feed him. Woe to me. So brothers and sisters, Lazarus is begging you for food spiritually. Are you feeding him? Mm-hmm. And if we are not, we are the rich man that Jesus speaks to mm-hmm. and our own eternal salvation is at risk, which is why Paul says, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Yeah. Well, the question that you asked is... Um, it's so multifaceted. I also think that we, like, I- I'm going to try to do my best here. I think we always have to be careful not to speak absolutes where the church hasn't spoken absolutes, but charting in those waters, yep. what I would say is, well, to your point on peace, if I'm getting perfect peace in the world, then why would Jesus have to impart it? Right when Jesus comes and He imparts peace to the twelve, He imparts it because there's an absence of it. Why? Because if we're actually fulfilling the call, there's going to be things that are unpeaceful about them, and we need Jesus to impart that peace so we can continue. So that's what I would say on the peace, peace. But then on the other side, like the question fundamentally that you were asking, like I do think that we have to ask serious questions in the church in the Western world of how are we living now. With that though, I do think that 
the rich young man, there's a, a variety of ways in my time of praying with it that I've seen it go. Like, I wonder what if the rich young man, instead of walking away sad, started following Jesus without selling everything at first? Would Jesus tell him to turn around? Like, I, I think that the rich young man, he, he walked away sad because he had many possessions because he didn't want to sell them. But, but I wonder what would have happened if he goes, you know what, I won't go back and sell them yet, but I'm just going to start following you instead of walking away sad. Over time, he would have sold those possessions mm-hmm. because he would have seen Jesus's life and he would have said, like, I consider all this refuse or rubbish, you know, whatever you want to go to with Paul. So I guess what I'm saying there is like, I think the, the principle, again, I don't want to speak absolutes where the church hasn't, but I think the principle is I need to every day commit to the encounters with Jesus. Again, I know we talk about this on the show all the time. The encounters with Jesus that lead me into mission because in being in mission, I'm going to realize that there are resources that I have for my own comfort that I don't need. And as I live that out in the Western world, I begin to be able to part with them more and more. Yeah. Now, again, I'm not I'm not saying that's the only way, but I'm, I'm saying in a Western world where, like you said, Dan, I'm living as one of the richest 1% of all human beings ever, Yeah. right? Like, that's awesome in what that can do. Now, it requires me to give a gift. What I would say, though, is the rich young man, yes, he could have sold everything and then followed Jesus. That would have been perfect, A-OK. Or he could have just not walked away sad, started following him. And I think over time, if we follow Jesus intimately and personally, all the other stuff, mm. it begins to be easy to part with. Let's do both. I love it. I, I, I think there's 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 joy um in the gospel. And I think the if if God can do anything through this episode, I think it's let's just contemplate this more, right? Let's in our time of prayer yeah. ask the Lord, like, Lord, what give me your heart for the lost. So there because there are there are people who are lost in our own cities and in our nation. Um it it it, it um it troubles me greatly that Islam is growing as fast as it is, right? It is a, it is a, a religion where Jesus is not Lord. And so the, the fastest growing religion in the world today is a religion where Jesus is not Lord. And, um, and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And, um, and of course, the church has uh, theological teachings about how um, just you don't, and not 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 everyone who is not uh, baptized by water goes to hell. But there is an element where the gospel should be proclaimed, and out of justice, the the Muslim yeah. the Muslim people deserve to hear the name of Jesus, yeah. and the the people in China who are living under uh, a, a communism that doesn't allow for the gospel to be fully communicated, yeah. they deserve to hear the name of Jesus. And the people in North Korea who um, aren't allowed to have Bibles in their possession, they deserve to hear the word yeah. of God. And so, or the ones in your classroom, or yes, your family, exactly, yes. or your university, well, or your at- or your place of work. And I love that, but yeah. but everyone has to go before God and say. Are you asking me to be a, mm-hmm. a missionary to the nations? And the only reason we would stay here and not take the gospel to the nations because the gospel is that important mm-hmm. and that urgent in these places is yeah. is because God has said no. I want you here to build right? up the church. And here. so, so at least you got to be on mission. Go go to the people in your classroom and to your in your workplace. 
if that's where God's asked you. But if you haven't asked him at some point in your life, am I called to go? And if you like, hmm, I think that's really good Dan. in a yeah. different place, like maybe years ago, you weren't called to go. Maybe today God is saying, Hey, you know what? Yeah. Your life is different at this yeah. point. You are called yeah. to go. Yeah. Can I build up? I just want to build up your point there a little bit more because I think what you're quoting is from Vatican too, right? When the church made the statement that like, we don't know if someone is non-baptized and following their conscience, what their eternal destination is. We can't speak that they'll absolutely be condemned to hell because of the mercy of God, but we don't know. What I what I get so fearful of sometimes is we misquote that to excuse ourselves from responsibility. Yep. We misquote it. We, we, we almost make it as if it's saying we have absolute certainty that if someone is simply following their conscience, that they are in the, in the same place that a Christian being faithful is. Well, first of all, that's not true in the temporal sense because heaven can be now, not just later. Yep. So that's the first part. The second part is that the church like accurately speaks that it can't know outside of the grace of the sacraments and the goodness of the mercy of God yeah. if it's guaranteed. Yeah. And like, Again, I don't know guarantees the right word, but you can hear what I'm saying. I'm just building up your thing yeah. because let's not Amen. use that don't Vatican II piece as an excuse not to do something. So whether the billboard is the most effective way to, <laughs> to announce the truth that hell is real, uh, hell is real, and there are real consequences and, as you've said, Brad, real responsibilities mm-hmm. that go along with that. And so as a Christian, um, I have to ask myself, am I teaching people the real consequences? And as a Christian, I have to ask myself, am I living the real responsibilities. Um, So why don't we close in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 I just ask, Holy Spirit, you're the one who convicts hearts of sin and righteousness. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, that right now you would come and convict our hearts of any justice we need to be convicted of, of any righteousness we need to be convicted of, of any responsibility we need to be convicted of. If you need to convict us of our own sin, Lord, I pray that you would come right now and convict us of our own sin. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful so that we could be filled with that consuming love of heaven. Come, Holy Spirit, more. Got to pray for an outpouring in Christian communities of a love that's not afraid for con- of confrontation. Um, Jesus, teach us to be good, good fathers, good mothers, good brothers, good sisters, good sons, good daughters who are willing to fight for the integrity of the hearts of those that we love. Mm-hmm. And, and God, we pray, especially uh, as, as we spoke about in, in Mark's gospel, Lord, that we would be receptive to the gifts that you want to give to transform our work of evangelization mm-hmm. for the sake of love. I guess since the, the, there's someone listening who is a, you've, you've felt a prompting to be a foreign missionary, um, but you, you, you aren't a hundred percent sure if you're called to it. And I just see Peter in the boat and and um, Jesus on the shoreline saying, come to me, uh, and Peter taking that first step. And um, I believe it was that step out of the boat that enabled Peter to step into his greater mission later to be the first pope. And I think the the Lord is is not asking you to go all in right now, but he's asking you to take just the next step. Um, and so if that's you, uh, just what ask the Father, what is the next step you want me to take? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Friends, thanks for listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You can listen to the whole version of today's show by going online to www.ewtn.com slash radio slash podcasts or searching for Beyond Damascus on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. 